Chapters 15 to 19 of North Lancashire, Cambridge County Geographies by J. E. Marr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 Agriculture, Forestry. As many of the inhabitants of North Lancashire have from time immemorial essentially subsisted by agriculture, we must devote some attention to it. In doing so, it is well to note first the principal factors which control the agricultural operations of any given county or district. These are latitude, altitude, climate, soil, character of the people, and markets for the produce. Latitude is of special importance in affecting the nature of the corn crops, for the county is too far north to allow of successful cultivation of wheat on a large scale while on the contrary it suits the growth of oats and accordingly we find that this is the chief kind of corn grown altitude is responsible for the dividing line between the areas devoted to the cultivation of crops and to permanent pasture the area of the former is chiefly in the lowlands and valley bottoms whereas much of the latter is on the upper portions of the fells the line separating the tracts where arable cultivation is profitable from those of permanent pasture may in north lancashire be roughly placed at a height of nine hundred feet above sea level it will have been gathered from the remarks made in a previous chapter that the county enjoys an equable climate with fairly warm winters and cool summers and that it is essentially humid such a climate is suitable to the growth of many crops and has always favoured grass rather than arable farming we have considered the soil in the geological chapter it was there seen that there were four important varieties namely the clayey soil of the slate rocks the thin light soil of the mountain limestone tracts the sandy soil of the millstone grit and new red sandstone regions and the mixture of peat and silt bordering parts of the coast and occupying the sites of infilled lakes the agriculture of each of these soils is marked by special features. The character of the inhabitants is also of great importance. The physical strength, capacity for work and tenacity of purpose largely inherited from their Scandinavian ancestors and fostered by the struggle against physical conditions which caused the produce to be wrung from the earth by hard labour have enabled the natives to overcome the difficulties with which they were confronted when a weaker and a more indolent race would have been worsted in the struggle. Lastly, there is the market for the produce. In early days, corn and roots were grown in sufficient quantity for home consumption only, and the same may be said of the supply of meat. The wool of the sheep alone was carried to the markets to exchange for such necessaries of life as could not be obtained on the spot. Of recent years, the growth of large towns including watering places in the northern part of the county has taken place to a degree sufficient to ensure the consumption of agricultural produce within the districts and little is sent further afield the following figures from the journal of the royal agricultural society for nineteen hundred and ten give the acreage devoted to the different corn crops and the number of livestock in the whole of lancashire Figures for the northern part of the county are not available, but the proportions of the different crops and livestock given below are roughly applicable to the special district under consideration. Corn crops, wheat, 
19,757 acres. Barley, 4,427 acres. Oats, 83,786 acres. Livestock, cattle, 227,416. Sheep, 324,484. Pigs, 69,932. Much of the sheep pasture, as already stated, is on the higher hills, which are largely occupied by the old slate rocks on the parts northwest of Morecambe Bay and by the millstone grit in the area southeast of Lancaster, though parts of the mountain limestone, with its sweet herbage, form excellent pasture. In the district northwest of Morecambe Bay, many of the sheep are of the Herdwick brand of which tradition says that they escaped from a vessel of the spanish armada wrecked on the west coast of cumberland and thence gradually spread through the district on the borderland between lancashire and yorkshire where the formation is millstone grit it is a very characteristic breed of sheep known as lonks i e lancashire sheep which is often pronounced lancashire they are found on the fells southeast of lancaster about roeburn dale and the trough of Boland. The district is not one of pig breeders. Those pigs which are used for the consumption of the offal of the towns are brought from elsewhere. The cattle consist almost entirely of the large dairy shorthorns. These are used during the early part of their lives in making the famous Lancashire cheese. They are afterwards absorbed into the cow houses of the intensive suburban farmers who supply milk from them and feed them out fat at the same time. These farmers are very characteristic of the districts around the larger centres of population. Everything produced on the farm is sold off. Their produce includes hay, straw, potatoes and milk. A high state of fertility is nevertheless kept up by large purchases of manure and concentrated feeding stuff. One of the most interesting features of the district, from the agricultural point of view, is the great contrast in a small tract between the highly developed intensive farming of the lowlands around the large centres of population and the primitive farming of the tracts where the long sheep are reared. In the Fylde district, very large city dray horses of the Shire type are bred and are mostly sent to Liverpool. In the lowlands, a certain amount of arable land exists, especially within easy access of the larger towns. From the figures given, it will be seen that the growth of wheat and barley almost entirely gives place to that of oats, and this is especially true of North Lancashire. Practically the whole of the wheat is grown for its straw. Of root crops, we find in the intensive farm districts, in addition to the potatoes already mentioned, crops of mangolds and swedes, and a considerable amount of rough garden produce. Forestry is not very important in North Lancashire. In addition to trees grown for their timber are others for ornamental purposes, for game covert and for shelter belts around hillside farmhouses. For the latter purpose the sycamore is an ideal tree and one which thrives well here. The comparative lack of trees is partly due to poor soil and partly to exposure. Shelter is of more importance than soil alone and we find trees growing profusely here and there in the cloughs and sheltered valleys. 
even the millstone grit area when covered with mild humus in the lower valleys and lower hillsides grows very fine crops of deciduous trees and many conifers the lowlands are comparatively treeless not only are these lowlands exposed but much sea spray is very injurious especially to evergreen plants when carried inland during gales climatic changes have certainly caused the diminution of tree-clad areas in many of the upland peaty tracts remains of former forests are seen and the mild humus of these former forests has been replaced by an acid humus which is decidedly unfavourable to tree growth in former days the forests of quernmore and upper wiresdale were of importance chapter sixteen industries and manufactures before treating of the more important industries notice may be taken of a few minor ones which are extinct or dying out but which are nevertheless of historic interest they belong chiefly to the district north of the sands the working of iron ore will be noticed in the next chapter the old bloomeries or forges where iron was smelted will also be noticed in that chapter the abundance of coppices in furness and cartmel especially is responsible for the utilization of the wood for the manufacture of bobbins baskets and hoops and charcoal burning is still carried on in those districts in connection with the manufacture of gunpowder the coarse millstone grit of the fells east of lancaster furnished material for the manufacture of handmills or querns quernmore near lancaster takes its name from this now extinct industry the manufacture of silk has greatly declined in the county at the present time the two chief industrial towns of north lancashire are preston and barrow in furness preston is the centre of the cotton industry according to the census of nineteen hundred and one there were twenty four thousand nine hundred and fifty people in that town engaged upon it the cotton trade of lancashire is so important that we must say more about it though apart from preston it belongs to the southern part of the county the manufacture of cotton is facilitated by the damp climate of the county and has been carried on since the sixteenth century the eighteenth century was marked by the industrial revolution of which a most important cause was the introduction of steam power for driving machinery and the factory system was substituted for the system of working in small houses the two processes of spinning and weaving which were more than once united have now become separated for a variety of reasons and while spinning is now extensively carried on in south lancashire weaving is mainly conducted in the towns immediately to the south of the ribble and in preston according to the census returns of nineteen hundred and one there were only two million and thirty six thousand spindles employed in preston as against fifty seven million nine hundred thousand looms to give an idea of the importance of lancashire from the point of view of the cotton trade it may be mentioned that at the beginning of this century about four hundred thousand out of a total of nearly five hundred thousand cotton operatives employed in england and wales worked in our county engineering and machine making are also carried on at preston and according to the same census employed three thousand and sixteen people barrow in furness is especially connected with the steel trade the small forges scattered about the furness district disappeared as the result of improvements in the processes of smelting 
which came into use about the end of the 18th century, and the Bessemer process of steel manufacture, discovered in 1856, led to the formation of the great works at Barrow. The 1901 census showed that 1,765 people were engaged in the iron and steel manufacture. In the same town, 5,496 people were engaged in engineering and machine-making. The introduction of iron shipbuilding in 1870 was a very important step as regards the prosperity of Barrow, and this industry now employs 10,300 men. The manufacture of guns is also an important industry in Barrow. Steel is also manufactured at Ascombe, Ulverston and Carnforth. Several industries are connected with the town of Lancaster, the most important being the manufacture of linoleum and oilcloth. The taking of fish is one of the great industries of the British Isles, but the fishing stations on the North Sea are much more important than those of the western coasts. Nevertheless, the capture of fish, especially if we include shellfish around the coast of Morecambe Bay, is very considerable. About 366 boats and 1,278 men are engaged in the fisheries of the North Lancashire coast. On the north side of the bay, the principal fishing ports are Barrow, Ulverston and Cark, but these are not of great importance except as regards cockles and shrimps. Morecambe is noted for its mussels, shrimps and flatfish. The best mussel beds lie between Morecambe and Haysham, on the tracks of stone or skiers which there abound. The so-called prawns of Morecambe Bay are not true prawns and may be passed by with mere mention. The supply of cockles, mussels and shrimps on the other hand is very large. Cockles are obtained nearly all the year round, but chiefly in winter and spring. They are secured by means of a three-pronged iron fork attached to a wooden haft. This is known as a cockle cram. The mussels are obtained by means of a rake attached to a shaft, 30 or 40 feet in length. This is a long cram. Fleetwood is the greatest of the Lancashire fishing ports, and is indeed one of the most important in England. There is much shrimp fishing at Lytham and St Anne's on Sea. Salmon are extensively caught in the larger rivers. Chapter 17. Mines and Quarries the chief mines of North Lancashire are those which yield iron. They are situated in the Furness district in the area composed of carboniferous limestone around Dalton and Lindale. The ore is an oxide of iron known as red hematite, occurring chiefly in fissures of the limestone. When these deposits were first worked is unknown, but scattered about along the lake sides and stream sides of High Furness are the remains of old smelting works or bloomeries as they are termed where the ore was reduced by means of charcoal these bloomeries were erected where charcoal could be readily obtained and in many cases also where water power was available they occur on peel island in coniston lake in rusland on the shore of windermere and in two or three places in the craig valley the old bloomery of duddon bridge still stands just outside the county on the Cumbrian side of the Duddon. This was in use at the end of the 18th century. The furnace at Backbarrow, below the foot of Windermere, is still at work. 
at peel island medieval remains have been found associated with the bloomery in the latter part of the thirteenth century ore was certainly worked in connection with furness abbey but the extraction and smelting of the ore on a large scale are comparatively recent the general report and statistics published by the home office in nineteen hundred and eight which contains the latest official figures states that the furness district supplied three hundred and ninety four thousand eight hundred and forty three tons of iron ore in nineteen hundred and seven which ore contained fifty per cent of available iron the total value at the mines was three hundred and seven thousand two hundred and seventy three pounds being fifteen shillings six and three farthings per ton the ore was derived from the following localities Askham and dalton fifteen thousand two hundred and ninety four tons ellis scales eight thousand five hundred and nine tons lindell moor fifty six thousand one hundred and fifty four tons newton one thousand five hundred tons park one hundred and nineteen thousand three hundred and seventy three tons roanhead one hundred and ninety four thousand and thirteen tons total three hundred and ninety four thousand eight hundred and forty three tons other ores which have been somewhat extensively worked in past times are those of lead and copper though at the present day various causes have led to the decline of the mining of both these metals in the county the lead ore chiefly galena or lead sulphide occurs in the coniston fells where however copper mining was much more important the working of the copper mines certainly began here in very remote times the veins of these ores occur in the volcanic series of the ordovician rocks copper ore was also worked in past times in the carboniferous limestone rocks of wharton crag a thin seam of coal occurs at the millstone grit series east of lancaster and was once worked locally many good building stones are found in the northern part of the county the rocks of the volcanic series are used locally for building stones in the neighbourhood of coniston and those of the silurian rocks in high furness the carboniferous limestone also is extensively used in those tracts where it occurs and millstone grit is largely quarried in the southern part of the area the town of lancaster is mainly built of this stone the new red sandstone is quarried near barrow furness abbey is built of it slate of a green colour is largely worked in a seam of the volcanic series which runs from little langdale to the duddon the principal quarries are in tilberthwaite on coniston old man and at walney scar another band of slate on the higher ordovician rocks is worked on broughton moor and a more important band in the silurian rocks is quarried on the same moor and very extensively in the kirkby quarries east of the duddon estuary flagstones are obtained from some of the silurian rocks of furness and also from some flaggy beds of the millstone grit of the fells east and south-east of lancaster clay for making bricks is obtained from some of the millstone grit shales lime is burnt in many places where the carboniferous limestone is developed and is used for various purposes rock salt is extracted from the new red sandstone at presol and is used in the united alkali company's works at fleetwood and elsewhere 
the output is about 3,000 tonnes per week. Finally, peat for fuel is dug from the turberries, or peat bogs on the higher hills in several places, and also on the flat mosses which are found on the low grounds bordering the estuaries and Morecambe Bay. Chapter 18. History of North Lancashire. The Roman occupation of Britain began with the visits of Julius Caesar in BC 55 and 54, but the Romans first arrived into what is now Lancashire territory under Agricola in AD 79. That event marks the beginning of the history of Lancashire, earlier events being regarded as belonging to the prehistoric period. For nearly four centuries, the Romans dominated the district, with occasional raids by the Picts and Scots, and an insurrection of the Brigantes, which was soon quelled. The Romans arrived from the south along the Lancashire Plain, and probably after crossing the sands of Morecambe Bay, marched across the flat tracts of Cartmel and Furness by the sea. They opened up the country by constructing an elaborate series of roads, which will be noticed subsequently, and they protected these by military camps at points of strategic importance. Under Agricola especially, the Brigantes were introduced to the civilization and luxury of the Roman conquerors. In addition to the military posts, many small towns and settlements arose in North Lancashire. In the 4th century, the decline of the Roman Empire had begun, and at the beginning of the following century, the Emperor Honorius gave to the Britons their independence. Shortly after the departure of the Romans, who were gradually leaving the country between 410 and 430, the English invasion began by the arrival of Teutonic peoples from the country near the Elbe. There were three Teutonic tribes dwelling near the Elbe, namely the Saxons around the mouth of that river, the Angles further north, and still further north the Jutes. All these people were termed English, and as they conquered portions of our country, it in turn became English. By the end of the 6th century, they had annexed the lowlands of England, the Jutes occupying Kent, the Saxons a tract north and west of Kent, and the Angles the centre east and northeast of England. All this time, the North Lancashire area remained part of an independent British kingdom, extending from the Dee to the Clyde, and bounded on the east by the Pennine Hills. The kingdom was called Strathclyde, and was divided into a series of smaller states, one or more of which included what is now North Lancashire. We know little of what went on in this region between the departure of the Romans and the arrival of the English, Danes and Norsemen, but there were in all probability dissensions among the different states. Sometime after the Battle of Chester in 607, when Ethelfrith, King of Northumbria, defeated the British, North Lancashire became English. In the ninth and 10th centuries, invasions of the Danes and Norse from the northeast and from over the sea took place, and these Northmen occupied considerable tracts, especially in Lancashire north of the Sands, and in Amounderness, the plain north of the Ribble estuary. Obscure as are the events which happened between the departure of the Romans and the arrival of the Normans, their influence upon the inhabitants of the area was most marked. The people of the Brigantes had disappeared, the inhabitants had largely acquired their present characteristics, and the English language had become established. 
about the time of the Norman conquest, the North Lancashire district was laid waste. This may have been partly due to a struggle between Harold and Tostig in 1066, but also to William the Conqueror's devastation of the Northumbrian kingdom in 1069. About 1072, South Lancashire, then known as the land between Mersey and Ribble, with parts north of the latter river, was given by the conqueror to Roger of Poitou, and William II granted more land north of the Ribble to him before 1094. Roger then held practically the whole of what is now Lancashire. In 1102, Roger forfeited this land to the crown, and Henry I granted it to Stephen. After Stephen came to the throne, David, King of Scotland, became possessed of Lancashire north of the Ribble, but it once again and finally became part of England in the reign of Henry II, when, as we have already stated, the county of Lancaster was definitely established. Little of importance took place in the county from this time until the 14th century. A Scottish raid in 1316 was unimportant, but in 1322, Another raid was conducted with Bruce as leader, when the town and castle of Lancaster and the town of Preston were burnt. In 1349-50, our county, like the rest of England, suffered heavily from the Black Death. In 1351, Edward III conferred upon his cousin Henry the title Duke of Lancaster, and the Duchy of Lancaster therefore came into existence. He also conferred upon him the rights of a palatine earl. This made the county a county palatine, a little kingdom in a sense, within the English kingdom. After a lapse, the dukedom was restored in 1362, and John of Gaunt, fourth son of Edward III, was created duke. In 1377, he also obtained the palatine rights. The county is still a county palatine, and the reigning monarch, Duke of Lancaster, though it must be remembered that the Duchy of Lancaster and the County of Lancashire are not the same thing. During the Wars of the Roses in the 15th century, the northern part of the county was not the scene of any important occurrence, but the contrary was the case during the Civil War in the time of Charles I. In 1643, the Parliamentarian forces took Preston and Lancaster, which were later retaken by the Royalists, and in 1648, the Scottish army entered England and was defeated by Cromwell at Preston and subsequently in South Lancashire at Wigan and Warrington, after which the victorious army returned to London and demanded the punishment of the King, who was beheaded in the following year. North Lancashire was visited by the Pretender's troops in 1715, when, after some skirmishes near Preston, they surrendered to the King's forces, and in 1745, the troops of Charles Edward Stuart went southwards through Lancashire and retraced their steps northward during their precipitate retreat. Since then, the history of the county is chiefly concerned with its industrial progress. Chapter 19. Antiquities. Prehistoric, Roman, Anglo-Saxon, Norse, Medieval. Our knowledge of the history of the inhabitants of Lancashire is chiefly derived from a study of written records, but it is not entirely dependent upon it, for relics of the early inhabitants afford information, even of those periods of which records were made in writing. The part now forming the county of Lancashire was, however, 
inhabited in times earlier than those concerning which we have the first written records and our knowledge of the state of the inhabitants during those early days is derived solely from an examination of relics left by them either structures such as grave mounds and stone circles or various weapons and other articles which have resisted decay and been preserved to the present day the periods previous to those of the first written records are usually spoken of as prehistoric and we will now consider the nature of the remains which have come down to us from these times before the use of metal for forming tools and weapons was discovered these were chiefly of stone and we are enabled therefore to divide prehistoric time into the stone age and the prehistoric metal age we will begin with the earlier of these ages that of stone antiquaries have found that there are two very different classes of stone implements marking two quite distinct ages of civilization of which the latter was far more advanced than the earlier we speak therefore of the paleolithic or old stone age and the neolithic or new stone age in the older age the implements were formed by chipping the stone into shape and the art of grinding and polishing them was unknown instruments of this type are found in the river gravels and caverns of england as far north as derbyshire but are unknown in the northerly parts including lancashire we need not therefore dwell further upon the remains of the older stone age several implements of the later or neolithic age have been found in the northern part of the county among them are celts stones which have been chipped and ground into the form of a broad chisel with a sharp cutting edge at the broader end they are often polished and were probably used as hatchets other types are perforated hammers and hammer axes which have been found in various parts of furness and at clawton near garstang it is not to be supposed that all the stone implements found in this region necessarily belong to the stone age for stone was used long after the introduction of metal and has indeed been in use quite recently for some purposes as for instance the striker light used for igniting tinder there are very few structures in the county which were of certainty made by men of the stone age for there is much difficulty in distinguishing the relics of this age from that of the succeeding period barrows or burial mounds often largely made of stones exist of these barrows there are two types the long and the round barrows the long barrows belong to the early neolithic period and the round barrows to a later period where stone is abundant cairns were often erected instead of barrows from study of the relics of the later stone age found in other places we know that the english dwellers of this age were hunters and fishermen possessing domestic animals and having some knowledge of agriculture they were also acquainted with the art of making rude pottery the introduction of metal was certainly gradual and long after objects formed of metal were introduced stone no doubt continued to be the principal material from which implements were fashioned the first metal to be used for the purpose was not iron but the alloy of copper and tin which we call bronze for the art of smelting iron was much more difficult than that of making bronze accordingly the earlier prehistoric age of metal was a bronze age at first the bronze age men imitated the stone implements which were in use 
and a large number of the bronze instruments are more or less modified forms of the hatchet-shaped stone instrument but the introduction of metal allowed of the formation of a far greater variety of forms than could be fashioned in stone and in our county besides the hatchet-shaped forms bronze dagger-like weapons and spears have been discovered a hoard of these bronze weapons was found at winmarley some of the men of the bronze age dwelt in caves and remains of this period have been found in kirkhead cave near cartmel the county is rich in prehistoric structures besides the barrows already mentioned some of these structures may belong to the neolithic period while others are certainly of the bronze age of the so-called druidical circles which have of course nothing to do with the druids we may mention a double circle on burkrig common east of great urswick remains of settlements of prehistoric tribes are also frequent various camps and earthworks of pre-roman date also occur one of the most remarkable being that on the summit of wharton crag another is on pennington hill near ulverston circles cairns and the remains of settlements are found on the slopes of the coniston hills on berkrig common and at urswick near ulverston there is evidence that iron had been introduced into britain before the arrival of the romans into our island and a few relics found in north lancashire have been assigned to this early iron age we may now proceed to consider the relics of the roman occupation of our land in so doing we pass definitely from prehistoric to historic times of the roman roads we shall speak elsewhere and at the same time refer to the most important of the roman camps the chief roman relics of small size consist of pottery of very artistic types some of which was made in britain though a large part was imported from the continent especially from gaul there are also many and various ornaments and a large number of roman coins which have been found in several places many inscribed stones have been discovered a roman milestone was found at caton and altars at ribchester the roman sites at overborough lancaster and ribchester to be noticed more fully in a subsequent chapter have yielded a very large number of roman remains there are many relics belonging to the period between the departure of the romans and the arrival of the normans the most interesting of which are sculptured stones some of these are of anglo-saxon origin while others show norse influence of anglo-saxon relics we may notice a silver cup and other objects found at halton and some bronze brooches unearthed at clawton many pre-norman crosses exist several have been found at lancaster others at bolton le sands hornby haysham and halton some of these show norse work one at halton is of interest as marking according to some authorities the replacing of pagan worship by the christian religion the curious procumbent tombstones known as hogbacks belong to this period one was found at bolton le sands and a beautiful specimen exists in that remarkable collection of pre-norman relics the churchyard at haysham of possible norman age are certain mounds usually surrounded by ditches and often having courts or baileys attached they are usually on low ground near rivers or the sea in the loon valley they are found at whittington arkholm melling hornby halton lancaster 
and on the Ribble at Preston. A very large example at Aldingham is on the coast. Medieval remains other than buildings are of no great interest. Examples of the rough pottery characteristic of the period are frequently unearthed. Coins and tokens seem to have been struck at Lancaster at various times between the reign of Henry II and the end of the 18th century. The illustration shows the last of these tokens, known as the Lancaster Penny. End of chapters 15 to 19